Encryption successful. Transmission begins. Observation report. Year emergency plus 260, month 5, spring. Territory 3, town 3-7. Incident, third splinter. A sun stall occurred 5 kilometers outside the walls at 1600 hours and lasted for 6 hours. At 1601, 2201 adjusted, we witnessed an explosion on the sun followed by a rapid sun surge which brought the time to 1901 within 10 minutes. Simultaneously, a small splinter fell, presumably from the site of the explosion. The resulting impact destroyed a hill, but did not cause devastation on the scale seen after the two previous splinters fell. Territory 3 Governor Denton Yong dispatched a full company of Evangelical Order Cavalry from Fort 3-26, commanded by Captain Eddie Tianil and accompanied by Auditor Errol Pack. Unfortunately for the church, four teenagers from Town 3-7's 24th breeding cycle took advantage of the chaos to sneak over the walls and approach the impact crater. Despite a fairly violent altercation with a group from a rival quad, the youths were able to reach the splinter before the Evangelical Order or Auditor Pack and interacted with what appeared to be a dark monolith, approximately 2.2 meters tall, which crumbled at their approach. They interacted with the residue, which disappeared. Soon after, the ground appeared to swallow all four youths moments before Auditor Pack made landfall in the crater, frustrating the church's attempts to recover the third splinter. Naturally, Governor Young ordered a full occupation and search of Town 3-7 in an attempt to find the missing splinter. Five auditors and two companies of the Evangelical Order carried out this task with the assistance of local church representatives and the town's 24 guards. The search lasted multiple weeks, but the auditors found no trace of the splinter. Two of the chained ghosts found a spectral residue, which could have indicated splinter radiation, but they were unable to track down the source, and it was eventually assumed to be residual traces from a shrine pipeline in need of maintenance. It appears that the four youths who interacted with the splinter survived, but were able to conceal this fact from the investigators, with the help, we assume, of Heron and Lark. While the four do not seem to be showing any ill effects from their encounter and have resumed their regular apprenticeships and other duties, we will keep an eye on them in the future, just in case either the church or the excommunicated attempt to exploit them in any way. Report ends. Welcome to chapter one. It's a little bit linear, but I hope that you'll trust me that it opens up in a big way as soon as we're done with these initial festivities. So stick around and enjoy the first chapter of Splinters of a Broken Sun with us, and then enjoy all the wonderful places we'll go from there. It has been four years since the events of the third splinter. In that time, our young heroes have aged, but they've also completed their apprenticeships, graduated a journeyman, joined their mandatory military service, trained, served in various units, and become perhaps entirely new or different people. In that time, of course, they have had their own stories. Let's take a moment to check in on the most interesting thing that happened to each of our heroes. Tell me about Keva. Well, since the day Keva and her friends touched the splinter, Keva has done a lot of thinking and studying. 
like she had secretly suspected deep in her heart, there is more to the world than what the church preached. You know, before that day, she had silently listened or just watched the heresies around her and didn't really do anything. But now she found herself posing questions to her friends when they were truly alone. Though a large part of her world was truly shaken, she still had her foundation. The part that never really changed was her friends. Something had put them together. Now she had a new purpose besides being there for Deg, Maeve, and Emrin. She would prepare for a day when something might change her world again. We could always weaponize Jolly, Maeve deadpanned one day, when they were purposely hiding from work. Keva had gotten in a fight with Topher, who had tried to knock Deg off his stilts. Thankfully, Emrin was busy, or else another full-on brawl would have taken place. Keva chuckled lightly at Maeve's joke as she applied the poultice Maeve had put together for her black eye. It had been more than a year since her encounter with the splinter that day. Besides learning many more things about cheese from her master, Keva had been learning with Mev about more heady matters. With her resources and training, Maeve could easily cook up all sorts of harmful substances. Before the day the splinter had fallen, Keva had only ever conceived of fighting others with her fists and words. The world was not as simple as she had once thought, though. They had secrets. The church had secrets. To protect, she must have secrets more threatening than what she really thought about the world around her. Like Maeve, she should build a hidden arsenal to help her fight, if it was ever needed. She had helped Maeve grow the hidden garden of harmful mushrooms, and Maeve had helped her plan secret tools to use. Keva learned that she could rely on Maeve to think up clever solutions to their problems. Like everyone else, Keva had to serve in Gov's army. She was assigned to the Calvary. She had loved working in the Calvary. Riding her rig through the desert, the wind whipping her braid behind her was exhilarating. The one downside was being separated from her friends. Like any recruit, she was expected to live in the barracks. Despite them all being the same age, Keva, Maeve, and Deg, and Amrin spent a lot of time apart because they had all been assigned to different divisions of the army. Keva became the self-appointed messenger for the friends. Some of the time this required sneaking around. Keva had never been a very sneaky person, but during her time in the army she had become better at it. It was a little odd how she could lie better than she had when she was younger. She was happy to finally get out of the Calvary when her time was up. But she was good at her position of theory. She had a hard time wanting to hurt anyone. The innocent, those that had done nothing to hurt her friends, they were not her enemies. She was afraid one day she would have to seriously hurt those that would hurt her friends. She hoped at the very least she could make sure that she would be the one hurt and not Dag, Maeve, or Emeryn. Thank you. Tell me about Emeryn. Now, Emeryn had always been a belligerent youth. Known for getting into fights, not necessarily shirking his duties, but maybe he would go out of his way to look for one too. So after the events with the third splinter, things sort of settled into an easy routine. Emran tried to avoid confrontation where possible, but when the four youths shipped off to serve in God's glorious military, well, Emran finally got to cut loose again. Hector, his foster father, made certain that all of the kids served their tour in their local city, 
but he also made sure that Emran would serve specifically in the infantry, regardless of where the higher-ups wanted to place him. Just like his foster father, Emran earned distinction as a master swordsman. While not calling himself that outright to avoid being cut down by someone better than him, Emran proved to be just as skillful. But there would come a day where his anger streak would rear its ugly head again. One day, while everyone, all the soldiers were calming down and resting after a day of drills and patrols, Emran burst into the barracks in a horrific rage. And he announced to everyone, after composing himself, that he would take any and all comers in a series of duels outside on the training yard. Now, these weren't to the death. It was just to first blood. But that's when Emran proved that he was as strong as ten men. Because surprising everyone, his fellow soldiers, his friends, even himself, he managed to defeat ten individuals in a series of duels before the company commander broke it all up. Now, ever the one to want to avoid hurting others, at least their futures, he surprised himself again when he took the blame for the entire fiasco onto himself. The punishment was not only his head being shaved, but he was publicly flogged, and then when Hector found out, well, let's just say it wasn't pretty. Tell me about Maeve. So Maeve largely retired to her little hobbit hole, trying to scour as much research as she could following the incident, during which she was dragged out to the apothecary's um, workshop quite often, as there was a surge in poison incidents with a lot of with a nest of scorpions being disturbed. Following treating all those injuries, Maeve had the idea that it would be handy to have some sort of poison around. But unlike her foster mother's tarantula, it probably wouldn't be prudent to be keeping such animals around. But there were also a few incidents with poisonous mushrooms around the caverns. And with Keva's help, Maeve was able to locate a sufficiently isolated corner and using some hay and rotting wood, planted a small colony of death caps and straw shrooms. That way, it made it look more like a naturally occurring phenomenon than someone intentionally breeding just the death caps. She also made sure to warn the guards that they looked eerily similar, and any colonies found or specimens cultivated should be brought to an apothecary for appraisal. This gave her access to a small but fairly steady supply of concentrated poison she could use in case anything happened. Once she left for the army, she specialized in being a medic, since her physicality didn't really stand at the frontline combat, and it allowed her to get closer to those in positions of authority. Nevertheless, as she had to do something within the army, she decided to take up the bow and arrow. Before leaving, she also picked up a practical, though less celebrated, skill in knife throwing from her foster father. All right. Thank you. And who's this new face lying in the cart? I never wanted to be in the war goat cavalry. I've always been more of a dreamer. I dreamt like many of my peers at a time when military service was no longer necessary, but while it was, I wanted to work with the dogs. Never had the opportunity to be close to them. They were fierce and they ran with abandon. But no matter how much I longed to be in the K-Line unit, my parents insisted. I was going to the goat cavalry. See, they were in the cavalry. All of them. In fact, that's where they met. 
most of them are herders. So it was already written in my book, like most things, I suppose. However, if my mentor taught me anything, it's that a good hat is a key to any door. And in this case, that door was the gate to the canine unit kennels. I don't really remember much of what happened. I remember being excited as I got close. And then the first one snapped. And I, I don't really remember what happened after that. We open in the apothecary, Isabel's domain. The four of you are there, having gathered now that you're graduated from your military service. There's also someone else whom you didn't know personally, but obviously you know them from around, because it's another youth from your breeding cycle from a different quad in this town. Zonin, the hat maker, has been gravely wounded with a little altercation with some dogs. The damage is bad enough that he has to be kept in a cart, a medical cart, and he needed a serious blood transfusion. Only one person could be found with the same blood type. Keva. Keva, yeah. did, Keva did you accept the responsibility to provide a blood transfusion to Zonin? I mean, sure. What's a little blood? Well, it's a good amount, and you're still hooked up to him now, meaning you have to stay with the cart. Unfortunately, it's also Shrine Day. It's time for the blessing. Oh, dang it. Now, I'll just remind you how the blessing works, how Shrine Day works, because, well, your characters have been doing it for their whole lives, you may not be as familiar. Every week is broken up into chunks. Uh, the chunks are different for each person, of course, but in general, three days out of the week, you are working at your trade or your profession. Another three days out of the week, you are working in the fields or in the caverns, uh, or if you were in a town near the water, which you aren't, you'd be working in the algae patch. And one day a week, and it's always the same day, is Shrine Day. That's the day where everybody gathers, goes up to the shrine in the center of town, and receives Gov's blessing. It's a, you know, a day of worship, a day of reverence. After the blessing has been bestowed to the town in general, there is a further blessing to whoever in town has been the most pious over the past week, who has prayed the most, who's demonstrated the greatest devotion to Gov, and so on and so forth. They are singled out to receive an extra blessing from Gov. Now, the theory, of course, is that the person who receives this extra blessing is the most pious in town, but in your experience, that's not quite how it's worked out. In fact, there's one family who keeps receiving the blessing a disproportionate amount of the time. And this family is a wealthy merchant family. In fact, they're rarely even at Shrine Day, having some excuse or another. But they keep getting these blessings. Who is it? What's this family's name? Dinkelberg. I second that motion. All right. Dinkelberg family. <laughs> of the merchant class. Uh, so, in particular, the patriarch, uh, Shona Dinkelberg. Well, patriarch's the wrong word. There's no patriarchs in this uh, society. 
but the head of the family, Shona Dinkelberg, uh, has been singled out many, many times in your experience and is rarely ever there to accept it. Someone has to accept it on his behalf. Uh, so Isabel sends you off up to the shrine, says she'll meet you there. You know she probably won't, though. Um, and now you're walking. And, of course, pulling this cart. Who's helping to pull the cart? Cameron. I figured it might be. Zonin, how are you feeling? You're, you're hooked up to Keva, whom you know of, but probably don't know. And uh, her blood's going into you. You're in pain, but you're lucid. I'm very confused. Um, you know, these aren't people that I normally associate with, so I feel a little uncomfortable because I wasn't anticipating it. Ah, uh, well, you're in the situation now. You're all walking up through the streets. Uh, the streets are all, of course, clean, well laid out, leading you towards the center of the town like the spokes of a wheel. As you walk, what are you all talking about? You just finished your military service a few weeks ago. It's probably the first time you've seen each other this much since then, because you don't get to live in the quads anymore. So I've already talked to Deg, and um, how do you two feel about uh, forming a parent group? What? A parent group. The four of us. I think this is a little... Oh, four of you. Sorry. Sorry. You know that if we find one and we touch it, the mother won't take it back. That's true. The dogs will usually just leave them with us. No, 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 no. I mean, like, I can carry the baby. And then one of the three of you could, I mean, obviously the way it works is Deg or Emrin would be the one. I would, then- I would have no problem helping birth the calf if you wanted to carry it. I, I'm, t- I'm talking about a, a, a kid, a human kid, not, not a goat kid. Oh. As you mull this over. Someone staggers into you, Emrin. <coughs> and before, when you look around, they're gone, but they've left something pressed into your chest. Not a knife or anything, just a piece of paper. <laughs> okay. I, uh, I, I take a quick glance. Uh, it's got words on it. I, uh, I, I take a longer glance. Oh, Okay. Uh, the words appear to have been written in haste with messy handwriting, and they say, you are in grave danger. Top marks for intention? Bit That's less photography? I, um, I cart and keep moving forward, but I do so, I just looking back at them or looking over at me, and I hand it to her and keep walking with the cart. Who did you hand it to? You cut out of it there. Maeve, okay. Maeve, you've got the note now. Keva's trying to look at the note, too. I'll read it and kind of press it into Keva's palm 
under the guise of like checking the IV or their pulse. And I'd like to look back to see if I can sort of notice anyone unusual. Okay. So it sounds like you're doing an overcome here. Yeah, the the obstacle is that this person has run away. You're overcoming that obstacle. How are you how are we gonna do that? It's probably gonna be a careful or a clever, right? Yeah, I was gonna say, um, I would like to cleverly do this by seeing if I can sort of I assume we're walking on sand or dirt, right? Cobblestone. Cobblestone, okay. Um, I guess cleverly to see who is maybe walking or running with the intention of not being seen. Okay. Now this is going to be, uh, you're going to need to do great at this role. Is that your role? Yes. Okay. Uh, so you, you look around, that's a, a good role, but not a great one. So unless you want to do anything about it, uh, you're not going to be able to see anything useful. You just see other people pushing up towards the shrine. Streets are fairly busy as people make their way up there. Uh, but people have been moving around you because with the cart, you're you're moving more slowly than most. Yeah, I won't do about uh, anything about it now since we are dragging uh, a person to win the cart and we are in a very populated area. I'll just kind of muse fungus among us out loud and just keep a closer eye as we move forward. Okay. So you're all keeping, you're all continuing to move forward? Yeah, and um, Keva is going to, like, consider what to do with the note now that she's read it. And she's kind of, like, look at the, uh, look at her friends and kind of, like, point to Jolly. Kind of, like, should I, like, let the goat eat the note? Zonin, you see these four uh, people that you're with passing around some kind of note and muttering about it. How do you feel about that? I'm watching intently trying to figure out uh, exactly what's going on without giving them in, any indication that I'm noticing it. You know, kind of faking the uh, wooziness. Okay. Do you want to try and read the note while they're holding it? I do. I would like to kind of uh, do a side glance while they're moving the note around, see if I can see what's scrawled on it. It sounds like it would be quick or sneaky. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and be sneaky about it. Keva, you've got the note. Are you trying to hide it, or are you just holding it? Oh, well, she's just holding it. She's not, like, trying to be sneaky. She's just kind of like, hey, should I give it to the goat? Okay, so in that case, uh, you just need to make an average roll zone in. A plus one. So in your character sheet, you uh, roll next to the quick. Okay, you did it. Uh, So you see the note, and you see that it says you are in grave danger and nothing else. Okay. Um, I kind of give Keva a look, um, and I look at the IV between us, (laughs) getting her blood, and I I just kind of give her this look of, like, what's going on? You've been looked at, Keva, significantly. With gravitas. Uh, this doesn't concern you. I don't think. I look again at the IV tying us together, and I say it very much does. All right, I'll come clean about it. 
You know, you might have heard about how I have a tendency to beat people up. Yeah, it rings a bell. Well, a few people are going to come and try and ring mine. That's all the note was. Uh, is it cool if we get me as far away from that as possible? Oh, don't worry. I'm going to just bring the card up as close to the shrine as possible, and I'll go deal with it. All right. Um. All right. I'd like to uh, sneakily give Emran a wink and then kind of give Keva a look and then look at Jolly, trying to get across that we should indeed feed her the note. Okay. Hey, so You do that. Yeah. Keva's going to feed Jolly the note and um, kind of like fiddle with her hat. It's a big hat, isn't it? Yeah. It, it's kind of a little uh, bulky, but, you know, it casts a wide shadow, which Keva seems to be happy about. Is it the Raiden hat? It, yeah, it's, it's the Raiden hat. Um, yeah. It's the official name for this type of hat is the Raiden hat. Nobody knows why. Some sort it, of ancient sorcerer. Oh, well, I think it has something to do with the fact that uh, it keeps the rain off pretty well. Uh-huh. Well, maybe. Maybe uh, over the generations, the language has shifted. True. Linguistics. Stuff. All right. So you're continuing to make your way up to the shrine. Uh, the cart creaks a little bit, but overall it rolls smoothly. It's Isabel's, so you know she's not going to have anything shoddy in her possession. She's too cool and stylish for that. Um, so you, you slowly but surely make your way up there. And by the time you get to the top, most everyone's already arrived at the shrine. So, um, you know, do you want to stay towards the back of the crowd or head towards the middle or the front? Want to muscle your way in there? What do you want to do? Um, I have a question. We mm -hmm. had of uh found access to secret pathways of, of a sort. Is it possible that um, some of us had like tried seeing if there were other hidden pathways, like in Isabel's book? Uh, Isabel doesn't let you read her books. <laughs> She's very protective of those, but she hasn't indicated anything to you. And if you have been sneaking around the city trying to find more places where you can sink into the ground, you haven't found any. Okay, then. Um, yeah, well, Keva would probably want to be more towards the back. Yeah, Emran has no inclination to want to lug the cart through the crowd either. What happened to this plan to get me to the front of the crowd? Why are we stopping here? I said I'd get as close as possible to the shrine, and I don't want to run over anyone's feet. Yeah, that checks out. All right. Uh, so you pull up to the back of the crowd, uh, and scanning the crowd, you actually see a familiar uh, gray, graying top knot. You see it's uh, Hector's just over there. He's always here. There's a bit of a space around him as usual, but uh, he's there. Not too far from you. Emran just sort of stares in his general direction. 
And Hector eventually looks around, smiles and waves at you, and muscles his way through the crowd, which isn't difficult. Most people make way for Hector. Uh, he claps you on the shoulder. Ah, Emrin, my boy, how are you doing? Excellent, father. We've made a new friend, as you can see. That's, uh, you're, you're Zonin. You were Hattrick's apprentice. Oh, you know Hattrick? I knew him, yeah. The finest hat maker there ever was. Only one I ever knew, but you know that doesn't mean you're wrong. I miss him. So do I. He was a good man. And he sort of looks at the uh, line between you and Keva and quirks an eyebrow. He doesn't ask, though. Uh, yeah, he, he, um, he needed blood. I, I fell. Fell into a dog kennel? Uh, yep. Hmm. Well, I hope they checked you for other infections, too. Ah, uh, Isabel, I'm sure she did. You'll be fine. Anyway, we're being rude. And indeed you are, because as you arrived a little bit late, the notary, uh, the local church representative, is already in full swing. As we gather here today, we remember the sacrifices of the four-in-one who shielded us from the emergency at great cost to themselves. Even though we have failed them, even though we are unworthy, Gov loves and protects us still. And so, Gov, we stand ready to receive your blessing. There's a pause and the crowd hushes. The shrine begins to vibrate. There's a deep, deep hum that you can feel in your bodies. And then the shrine begins to glow. A pure white light. After a few moments of this, the humming intensifies, reaches a fever pitch to the point where it's almost painful to hear, and then suddenly stops, and the light fades. The shrine opens, and inside you see the weekly rations. Rice, wheat, salt, water, textiles, other materials, and so on. Everyone... Jeez. Well, sure. Uh, everyone raises their hands towards the sun, and they chant the names of the four gods who became Gov. Gashram, Angjo, Veliko, Iterar. And they continue this chant. Gashram, Angjo, Veliko, Iterar, and so on. After a while, the notary raises his hands, and the crowd quiets again. And now, let the one who most proved their piety this week step forth to receive Gov's love. This week, that honor goes to Shona Dick... Uh... Huh. The notary pauses. A murmur runs through the crowd. You have a moment here. Uh, Zonin shuffles in his cart expectantly. I would likely go to the Dinkelbergs once again. I'm going to pat my pockets for my vial and my two throwing knives. And uh, Keva just kind of taps her 
boot expectantly. Or shoe. Uh, Hector Chima? I actually laugh out loud. The crowd gasps and some laugh along with you. Uh, there's a general sense of complete disbelief. And uh, an assistant notary sort of runs up and tugs on the notary's elbow and looks over at the, the letter that the notary's holding and they, they puzzle over it for a while. And the crowd is getting uh, a little rambunctious while this is going on. I'd like to scan the crowd for any faces that don't look either enraged or surprised. Uh, okay. You want to make a good roll. That would either be a careful or clever one there. Um, if I were to use uh, careful for it, would I be able to invoke my stunt? Yeah. You just use a fate point. All right. Uh, it's a zero you rolled there. You needed a, you needed a two, I believe. I think I'll, yeah, I'll invoke my stunt at the cost of, of a fate point. So my stunt is uh, Spider and the Fly, and it lets me add plus two to uh, Careful, if I'm carefully appraising someone. Okay. I don't know if that someone can be the crowd in this case. I don't see why not. Um, all right, so in that case, as you're scanning the crowd, uh, you don't see anyone who doesn't look either enraged, shocked, or surprised. Uh, everyone seems to share that general look uh, except for one person up near the shrine. Uh, and you, you would recognize that person as um, a clerk, a clerk from out of town. I, um, before my father moves at all, I don't grab him or try to lean in or anything. I just look him very, if I, if I could convey a serious grave fear, then I would like to. He puts his hand on your shoulder and squeezes fairly hard, but not hard enough to hurt. But you can feel he's shaking just a little bit. The notary and the notary's assistant, they wave their hands around and the crowd quiets down and they say, yes, yes, uh, Hector Chima, please come up to receive your blessing. I guess. I'm not sure how uh, the sundials or clocks used work in this scenario but as he before he walks up can i give him a sort of um like direction directional indicator of the uh foreign clerk i noticed like say one o'clock or two o'clock or something yeah you just sort of glance in that direction after you have his attention he looks and he looks at you and he he smiles a little and nods and he leans down towards your ear emran he's still holding your shoulder and he says Get to the library. And then he's gone. The and I crowd just, uh, parts smile, around him. Smile. As he walks up towards the shrine, everyone is just completely silent and focused on him. Usually there's cheering during this segment uh, or some type of noise, either groans of disappointment or cheers of joy or whatever the case may be, but it's so quiet. Kevin's going to start clapping. Okay, you start clapping. Are you hoping to get the rest of the crowd clapping too? No, she's just happy for Hector in a way, but also trying to be like, yeah, uh, yo, go Hector. And then she 
suddenly stops because she realizes that she's drawing attention to herself. A few people sort of glowered towards you when they heard clapping, but they quickly turned back to staring at Hector. After the gawkers turn away from uh, Keva's clapping, Maeve is going to give a quick smack to one of Zonin's wounds to establish a pretense for getting him back to the infirmary. Okay, Zonin, you've been smacked in one of your, your wounds. Ah! Like a, a few dozen people look around and sort of glower at you. An old lady goes, shh. Zonin, are you okay? Uh, no, ow, ow, that really hurts. We, we've got to get him back to the infirmary. I just, I just hurried back down the street. So Hector has made it up to the shrine. The shrine begins to warm up again, and you recognize the sound that it makes every time. A deep pulsing. Dun, dun, dun. 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 And the sound that it makes, as it always does when a private blessing is coming, the hum oscillates. And then it stops. The shrine opens. Hector spreads his arms wide. And the shrine explodes. Oh, shit. Hector is thrown backwards, apparently dead. People begin to scream. Fire is everywhere. Death is everywhere. And then the worst part happens. You hear a whistle. And then another. 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 It's a whistle that you've all heard at least once before. It's coming from the sky. Keva has taken off the shield off of her head, and it is now in her hand. I try to gather everyone into the into like the rickshaw and just jump into it, hopefully forcing it down the street, like in a Jackie Chan movie. The auditors lounge all throughout the crowd. Some of them land on burning cobbles, others of them land on people, crushing them. There are six in total. Their single orange eye, set in that deep blue helmet, rows back and forth. Vroom, vroom, vroom. They turn, casually smacking people out of the way, sending them flying dozens of meters through the sky, smashing into walls of buildings. They're apparently indiscriminate in who they hurt. You're running though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You mm -hmm. run. It's the right choice. I am likewise indiscriminate in my... Um, I'm not just helping Deg, Maeve, and Keva. I'm, I, I will also ensure that Zonin is safe as we bustle down the street trying to get away from the culling. 
you kind of have to because he's hooked up yeah. to uh, Keva. As we barrel down the street, I'm just going to keep an eye out for anyone that could be like the biggest obstacle to us getting through, either very burly or heavy set people. Everybody's running, but it's a mad panic, so that's a wise thing to be doing. So I want you to create an advantage in that case. Uh, roll to create an advantage because we're getting into a challenge right now. Uh, and in this challenge, we're going to be dealing with the various obstacles that are in your way when it comes to getting away from a cull, which is an experience thankfully none of you have lived through before, but you've all heard of it. This is what happens when a town is found guilty of supporting the excommunicated. Okay, so uh, Maeve, you are going to make an average roll to be vigilant. So using your careful, we're going to try and create a vigilant aspect. Okay, uh, you, know, you don't create the advantage, it's all right. You're looking around, but there's so much chaos that it's all but impossible to keep track of what's going on. Next thing we need to do is you're going, you're running down this hill. There's people pressing you in every direction, but there's a heavy cart behind you and that's pushing you down. You need to control that cart, Emran. Got it. And this is going to be, uh, you need to make a good roll for this. You need to hit a plus two. Okay. I'm going to um, control the descent, so to speak. All right. And um, if I need to, do you think I could um, trigger my as strong as 10 men stunt? Of course. For this? I mean, strength's what you need right now. True that. All right, I'm gonna gonna hope it's forceful. Seems like it. Then we're in it. Yeah. All right, you succeed with style. Uh, so that means we're gonna noise carry forward a little boost for you there. Put the for the boost that you've got controlled momentum. So keep that one in mind. You get a free invocation on the controlled momentum boost, which anyone in your group can use. Zonin, you're being jostled around in that cart. It's really painful. You probably want to avoid getting jostled out of the cart, I assume. Absolutely. I, uh, I'm i the only one in the cart. Just you right now. I Actually, I'm going to implore that Keva get in the cart as well. Okay. Do you want to get into the cart, Keva? She's going to, you know, I don't know if she'd be compelled by the team parent or not aspect to do so, but she's definitely going to try to stabilize it. Okay. You can stabilize it from within or without, but the first question is, are you going to hop in there? I would say, you know, I can offer you that as a compel for your team parent aspect. It's easier to stick together if you're both in the cart. Yeah, she's going to be in the cart, but like sh she's going to be doing what she can to like help it along. It sounds like you're trying to create an advantage here to stabilize yeah. the cart. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. So that's either going to be forceful or clever or quick, depending on how you're doing it. How are you doing it? Keva's going to use the built-up muscles she has had of being in the cavalry. So forceful. Okay. So you'll need, uh, again, this will be a good roll. So you need a plus two on this. Okay. That didn't quite work out. Uh, yep. That was a zero. Do you want to do something about it? Well, here's a question. Mm-hmm. Keva's stunt is I'm protective of my team, which means she gets a two plus for creating an advantage of defensive purposes. Would you say that stabilizing the cart is a defensive maneuver or not? I would say in this case, yes, because it's the defense against the people chasing you, against the debris, against the crowd, and so on and so forth. So if you want to use your fate point to trigger that one, you can go for it. 
Okie. There we are. I will. All right. So take one of your, spend one of your fate points. Uh, all right. So Cuba's using her powerful legs honed by two years pedaling a heavy bicycle to keep the cart on its wheels, to keep it stable as well. So you've got a stabilized aspect. Uh, Zonin, in his experience in the cavalry as well, cavalry, sorry, uh, wants to redistribute his weight, kind of get near the front of the cart in order to, like, aid in the momentum of the cart. He's trying to, like, use his knowledge um, to at least help while he's in this vulnerable position. Okay. Uh, So the danger you're in right now is getting bounced out. So we're going to, in the way that you're doing that, we want you to overcome here. You know, try and overcome because... Emran, you've just gone over. We're going to say that you tell yourself it's a pothole, but you all know it isn't. A bump in the road that you've just run over. And that's it's caused the cart to buck. So Zonin, you're in danger of flying right out there. But you're going to need to hit a great roll to stay in there. A great is a plus four. And don't forget, you can invoke that controlled momentum boost for free if you have to. Or the uh, aspect stabilized, if you need and to. And that can be reflexive, right? How's that? that? That can be reflexive, like after a roll, or do I have to claim yeah, it before? Yeah, roll first. All right, and do I get to justify whatever approach? Yeah, which approach works for you, and tell me how. I'm going to go with flashy. Like, he's going to get bumped, and he's going to get some air, but he's a nimble uh, nimble boy, and he's going to do um, a little bit of a aerial trick, as it were, but to, wanting to land back in the cart. Okay. Hopefully this will go better than it did with the dog kennels. We can only hope. Oh, God. All right. Well, it, it didn't at the moment. So you may need to, oof, even with uh, that boost, if you take advantage of that, that's not going to be enough. You might have to spend a fate point on that aspect that was created as well. Well, I don't think I have much of a choice. I don't want to uh, get culled. So, yeah, I'm going to have to do that. All right. So uh, spend one of your fate points. And then controlled momentum boost is taken. The cart jiggles a little bit as uh, Zonin tries to be flashy about it, but unfortunately he's been wounded, so it doesn't go quite as well as he'd hoped. Keva, you're able to grab the uh, blood tube. I have to be honest and say that the song going through my head is One Jump Ahead from Aladdin. Pretty appropriate. Solid choice. Less cheerful than the actual situation, but you know. Could still end up dead in both situations, I think. Okay, so, Keva, you're able to grab hold of the blood tube with one hand and then grab Zonin's arm with your other hand, and your legs are strong enough that you're able to stay in the cart and avoid falling over and pull him back in. And Emran, okay. you, you slow down just enough to allow this to happen as you're going, and that's how those two aspects get used up. Yep. The good thing is that the hat has a cord around it. Oh, good. That should help, too. As we continue through, am I able to create an advantage by maybe identifying some sort of side alley or path that the rushing Vox Populi may not take? Now let's find out how well you know the city. That's going to be a clever one. And because you're in a dangerous situation, you're going to need to make a good roll to remember while you're on the run here. Yes. You got a good roll exactly. Okay. So you're able to pull the cart Uh, direct, rather, the cart, and uh, Emerin towards a side street that is all but invisible, covered behind some laundry that's been hung out there. 
and you push through there and you're into a slightly quieter area but it's also narrower so it's a little bit dangerous and you have to stay as stable as possible rushing through here um, as you go there aren't as many people anymore but you hear horrendous noises coming from the area of the shrine just explosions blasts the that is what accompanies an auditor's beam attack and there's debris starting to come down around you as well so to avoid that debris emrin you're going to need to overcome that quickly or flashily understood and that's going to need to be a good roll all right all right so yeah so fl uh, yeah i'm going to go with flashy and just in about of maybe you guys expect him to be a bit stronger than the average man because he's well he is but the flashy bit is maybe there's just a really large bit of debris coming and he actually straight up punches it. <laughs> All right, give it a try. And it's going to work, guys. See? Uh, so at <laughs> yeah, the moment... Yeah. At I the moment, the it, uh, it hasn't worked, but... <laughs> it happened because you rolled before I could say believe in the me that believes in you. Right. Uh. All right. Uh <laughs> So what can what can we do about that negative one roll there when we needed a plus three? Could have uh, have aided with the hat shield. <laughs> uh, maybe another time, but it didn't happen here. I mean, you mm -hmm. can just you can just accept the consequences of failure if you want. It won't kill you, probably. I'm the strongest ten men. Come on. All right. So you <laughs> want to invoke that aspect? Yeah, just to avoid the crit fail. All right. Well, that's all, it's only forcibly overcoming obstacles, and I did flashy, so never mind. Do you have anything else you could use from your aspects? I'm a strong blacksmith's apprentice. You are. I'll burn a fate point to... You know what? Can I burn a fate point to re-roll? Yeah. I think I want to gamble that way. Let's do that. Let's see if you're feeling lucky. All right, give me the blessing. Here it comes. Oh, oh my it's... god! You got, you got the same roll there. Okay. It was destiny. It was. Uh, all right, so you go to punch the debris, but it turns out it's a bit <laughs> thicker than you were expecting. Um, and you're going to take two shifts of stress, or two Ooh. shifts of damage, rather, and you can put that into a stress box or a consequence, your choice. Let's go with a uh, broken hand. You're going to take a minor consequence. So put that minor consequence down on your sheet. You've broken that hand. That's going to make controlling this cart more difficult um all right so the debris is raining all around um let's see so Maeve you're at the back here are you behind the cart I was trying to keep alongside Emrin but yeah if the street is pretty narrow I'm probably behind the cart okay so you're running behind the cart with Jolly I assume um Keva there's debris coming towards you and Zonin and Maeve and Jolly and Deg back behind the cart okay I need you to um, oh, I need you to overcome that forcefully, I assume. Okay. Let's, uh, checking the aspects. I'm, yeah, forceful. Okay. Give it a shot. And, and you've rolled good that, there. That was a three, yeah. That's what you needed. That was a three. So how does this, how does this look? Well, as I've already mentioned the hat a few times, it's time for the hat to come into play. The hat is ah. actually a shield. It's Chekhov's hat. 
Yes, it is uh, secretly has a piece of metal in it, so it's a lot sturdier than it appears. So uh, Keva has got that in her hand, and she's kind of going to, like, just kind of, like, kind of whip her hand out and, uh, like, hit it against the debris against the shield and kind of, like, knock it away. All right. You do that. It looks super cool. Who made that hat? Uh, it was kind of a group effort. I'd love to see its design when this is all said and done, of course. Okay. Well, it's basically just a shield that I wear as a hat. Brilliant. Uh, so ahead of you, you can see that uh, Amron has broken his hand. Uh, but you also come to the end of this alleyway. And you have to take a hard left. And when you do, you enter a sort of nebulous calm area. It's quieter here. There's nobody apparently running back and forth in this area. Um, you could take a break here if you wanted. Maybe. It's not calm. It's a trick. Get an axe. More of the church's magic. I'm sure of it. Keva's going to rummage around and pull uh, the hidden knife spear out. Okay. You got your knife spear thing out. Um, yep. So have you? are you slowing down or pausing at all here? I, I will keep on trucking unless... Um... No, I'm going to urge everyone forward. Yeah. All right, you keep going. You pass through the zone of quiet. You start seeing people running again, people bleeding, covered in dust. It's, it's bad. But you're able to make your way. You're heading roughly where? To the library. The library? Okay, so that's the library. The four of you would know that what Hector meant was, of course, the hidden library inside Isabel's laboratory. Uh, yes. But uh, Zonin maybe doesn't, but hopefully he's trusting you. I don't have much of a choice. You, you don't, sorry. Come along, blood bag. <laughs> that's, that's a terrible nickname, but I love it. Oh my gosh. But it's kind of like a weird opposite thing because, yeah. He's more of the blood receptacle at this point. So, wait, does that mean that Keva is Mad Max? That means that you I would also like to clarify that as we were barreling down the street and over bumps that may or may not have been people, the entire thing going through my head was, what a day. What a lovely day. So yeah, we've done it. Post-apocalyptic, we've crossed the genres.